Ghosts of the Restless Show. A wonderful title, Tim Collier. <laughs> uh, um, uh, an exhibition you've been working on and has um, shown in... In Southport, in, Southport, in the Atkinson yeah. Gallery, yeah. I mean, the title came out of a symposium that we ran up there with the other contributors who were a poet, Jake Campbell, my brother, Mike Collier, Rob Strachan, a sound artist, John Dempsey, who's the natural historian, and Stephen Whittle, who was the gallery curator. And we were kind of casting around for what we thought would be a, a good um, a good title for that. Ghosts came out in a way partly as you know the sort of ghosts but it wasn't ultimately that at all but we were talking about past and there were shipwrecks on the shore um there was also stories of um second world war camps that were in crosby fort crosby there and so there was this presence of the past and it was always about layers of the past and so that kind of translated Curiously, we started to talk about, oh, it feels like there's kind of ghosts around the whole thing. The restless shore is because it's forever changing and it's never in one state, you know, whether it's a storm surge. I mean, I think it's the fastest eroding coast in Britain at the moment. So it's rapidly changing. Day to day, you can see the changes. Uh, you know, a shipwreck will show itself for three or four months and then it'll disappear so there's this kind of the restless shore is the fact that it's just continually moving and the ghost really represents the layers of past that are there a lot of people involved in the project yeah it was good working collaboratively which is something i have done before with poets um but it was great working with my brother to begin with um we've mike and i have always wanted to do something together and this is the first time that we've done that and mike's uh, an artist um, works out of Sunderland and um, it was something he's got a love of natural history I've got a love of natural history we wanted to do something together uh, and Mike had walked on uh, had worked on various projects um, with poets the last one he did was with the Lakeland uh, Wordsworth Trust and that was to do with walking as well so they're all to do with walking and we felt that this would be a great one to go back to our stomping ground where we both spent our early youth and um, revisit it in the context of what our work is today and we brought in other artists then who would have a different perspective and that would be a perspective as outsiders so they didn't know the coast so there's a nice mix of people who actually knew the area intimately which Mike and I did and other uh, people artists who had come to it for the first time what new discoveries did you make about the place? Oh, huge for me. I mean, I thought I knew it. But when you go out, particularly with John Dempsey, and John um, is the uh, warden, or the, 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 I don't think they call them wardens, they call them rangers, is it? Not sure, but of the Sefton Coast. And uh, John is fantastic. And he's, he's got a wonderful enthusiasm for sharing his coast. And I kind of say it's his coast because he knows it intimately and really so well and he showed us so many new things uh, one of the things that was astonishing for me and one of the, the pieces of work I ultimately did from it were these uh, they're not fossils but they're imprints of prehistoric life that's out on the coast that are revealing again with the restless shore idea they're revealing every now and again on silt beds and they're literally footprints uh, there are human footprints there are deer footprints uh, bird 
imprints, footprints, um, that are 7,000 years old. And uh, you, you, the, the, once they're revealed, then uh, they'll only be there for perhaps a few weeks before they're eroded, degraded by um, the weather. So they, they're not fossils, they're actually soft imprints. And the way they've been created, which I found was amazing, is that years ago, you know, literally 7,000 years ago, hunter-gatherers, um, that coast would have been further out. There were lakes in that area. There was mud around those lakes. There were people would go in, they'd make their imprints. They would bake in the hot sun of the time and uh, they'd become hard. And then the sea would encroach in, cover them, sand would cover them. And so they're literally just covered, but they're not fossils, they're just imprints. It's absolutely astonishing. And one of the pieces I did um, in the show was a, a piece where there was a, a deer footprint from, again, about 7,000 years ago. And I'd put um, 7,000 dots around this and the, each linear row was a century. And I also coloured them in their epoch eras as well. So it's a kind of context of... Um, what they meant to me, you know, to think of something that you could touch, move, disappear, uh, 7,000 years ago was astonishing. So this transient nature of the shoreline mm. and uh, the surrounding area, um, kind of a, a metaphor for bigger things, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably changing things as well, mm. yeah. Uh, how did you uh, how did you approach co-working with with sound and uh, with a with a poet? I mean, I know you've worked with poets before, yeah. But how was it working with sound? What what elements, special elements, did he bring to? Well, the I think exhibition? I think he brought a new dimension um, in for me into opening my eyes to what was or what the landscape is that I've always lived in, and not really perhaps understood it fully. Visually, is a very different thing from sound. And when I put headphones on in that environment and uh, began doing some recordings i was astonished at what was what was there it, it opened up a completely new world for me and i think that did then affect how you how you responded to that it was a deeper connection with the sound than perhaps it would be visually which is why i think i'm kind of quite interested in developing into a little bit more sound than i've done before uh, which is quite good as well because i, I think that's the throw off of working with other people, which was really quite exciting. And working with your brother? It was great. Mike, um, as I say, Mike, again, he's four years older than me. He's a big brother down there when we were younger. Um, and we spent a lot of time with mum and dad down on that coast. And in fact, there's the, book, the original book that mum used to take into the sand dunes to uh, record the flowers is in the show. And a big piece of Mike's work was inspired by that. And Mum would take this book down and it was um it had illustrations, line illustrations, and she would colour the the actual flowers from the coast there. So we've got that I got that original book and we included that in the show. So it kind of brought the family as well into things. And Mum's ninety now and she came to the show and was obviously quite thrilled with that, which is really nice. I bet. I bet. Um uh, you must have collected and photographed an awful lot of material uh, how difficult was it to actually edit and sort what you wanted to put so in it's the, the hardest thing isn't it you you know um if you look at the book that we produce there every time you open it you think why isn't that image in or why isn't that an image in 
Um, but then in the end, there's two things really. The, the context and the narrative of the book demands that certain things go in there. Um, and also a, a choice that occurs when you've made that initial narrative selection. Very, very difficult. I mean, not only did I photograph it over the year since the walks we did, which began the project, but I'd photographed that coast, you can imagine, for the last 20, 30 years, because every time I went home, the coast was always the place I would gravitate to and um, photograph, you know, whether that be birds, whether it be the landscape itself, the coastal reaches, then I'd be photographing it. So it didn't only, it wasn't only a collection from the last year, 18 months, it was a collection way, way beyond that as well. So did that collection that was way back, and I know you're very meticulous in the way you keep the records of all your uh, of all your work and um uh, did you find any little gems uh th there were a few particularly relating to the natural history that we use in the book um i guess more of the uh, the work that's that's represented in the show in the book was in that last year because it was the newer things that i was working in the context of what the, the natural historian John was showing us and also what the poet Jake Campbell was working with. Um, interestingly enough as well with the collaboration, we also took a visit to the um, World Museum in Liverpool and met with Dr. Geraldine Reed, who is an expert on diatoms, which are the, uh, the kind of fundamental building blocks of um, uh, the food chain really that exist on the shore. And those, I mean, I'd never really heard of them before, to be honest, and nor had Mike, but that, that inspired within Mike and I a collaborative piece of work that we did together. So we were kind of trying to, I think, bring together with John, who's um, John Dempsey, again, the natural historian, who's in the end both a kind of, I suppose, an artist in his own way, but a scientist as well. And Geraldine, very much a scientist um, within the work. We were trying to meld that play between art and science and I'm very interested in that because I think in, in, in many ways we're both trying to do the same thing. It was really interesting to note in your, um, uh, in your uh, essay in, in the book it says a lovely picture of goalposts. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Liverpool um, football club football club yeah and uh, the association uh, with the birds as well yeah. I think it's a classic. Yeah well it's really nice because I mean in the essay again I talk very much about context within images and the importance of context and how often an image can mean an awful lot to an individual or a family, but out of that context becomes stranded. Mm. And, and to bring it back into the context, as I think really quite important sometimes. So that particular set of images, and it's a piece that includes Liverpool football programme against Middlesbrough, um, on a th in 1973 I think it was and an entry of my diary from 1973 because my life at that time was revolved around watching Liverpool Football Club playing football and bird watching and uh, when I was down recently and funnily enough that's, that's a piece that came maybe two or three years ago so not direct, directly related from the show talking about things that you'd picked from before and I just went past the playing fields that we used to play football on and there was a flock of maybe two, three hundred pink-footed geese on the playing field in front of the goalposts. And at that point, it was a, co a kind of coalescence of everything that had been me and was bringing it together now at kind of, 
you know, age 50 plus. So it was, it was a lovely bringing together all those things. And that's when I talk about context. So the piece became the diary, the image of the pink-footed geese with the goalposts and the Liverpool Football Club programme of that week of the diary. So it's a real pull-in of context. So these big, I mean, we're talking big projects, but at the time, of course, when you were writing the diary, that wasn't in your head at mm. all. But uh, it's these bring and... You see, that's probably um, um, where I admire your work greatly is the fact that you, uh, it's the meticulous nature of everything mm-hmm. and the keeping of material which has um, has links mm-hmm. to the past. And uh, uh, so the ghosts and the restless show, yeah. it all Plays melds together. together. Um, I... Is this the way forward for Tim Collier then? Big projects like this? Um, I don't know really. I'm not sure. I mean, I think that sometimes they they just kind of grow organically. You know, I mean, I have I have got ideas that I'd like to do, particularly relating to the geese. I've got a a huge fascination, some would say, obsession with geese, and um, I think it's to do again with early experiences of them. You know, when I was a kind of a young lad on that Sefton coast and bird watching for the first time so maybe 14 15 years old to go on a bike around the the fields there and then to be shot on by you know over 5,000 geese that were in a field and come <laughs> over you is an astonishing thing I mean it really is and I think it kind of it, it shapes who you are it, it did with me and forever and a day after that it's like I want I want to be shot on you know, so so I was. Um, we were up on Pilling near Fylde last week with my other brother, and we went down particularly because again, it's a good place for good numbers of geese. And the same thing happened again. We weren't quite shot on to the same degree, but maybe five thousand plus geese were in a field quite close to us. They rise up. The sound of that is extraordinary. And again, that's coming back again to that idea of sound and how important the context of not only who you are but now for me perhaps more the sound that's there as well because a photograph can be very moot and without that um, that additional sound and I'm not sure how to bring that in that's something that I've got to kind of learn and perhaps yeah as something we've talked about way back we have we, yes 10 years ago we, we, we have we've about completely it. talked about it particularly in relation to standing stones yeah and maybe who knows we'll do it one day maybe but <laughs> but know that 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 context and that um that immersive sense of being somewhere within sound. And that sound doesn't have to be, you know, grand, grand, big sounds like the geese as they, they lift. It can be just sitting on a kind of coast on a foggy day and kind of hearing a clink of the masts of the yachts that are out there. You know, it's something that's... Yeah, I, I, I think really um, when, you, when you talk about these projects and when you talk about place, and I know the sense of place is really important mm. to you, and understanding a, a place mm. and um, that sense of understanding comes through in all your work I think um, because you really immerse yourself in an area or mm. in a landscape mm. um, do you think because um, we live in a very sort of flash age where you can shoot I don't know hundreds of frames of photographs without any meaning really mm. uh, and do you think we need to step back as uh, as photographers and is that what differentiates um i'd hate to use the term but proper photography to sort of well i don't think the first thing i don't think there's 
there's anything proper photography. I think everybody's got the ability to image, and that's great. Um, but I understand. I understand what you're saying. For me, uh, immersion's important, and also I think when we do that, we just see more. You know, the, I think the problem in perhaps um, a lot of photography today is that it's it's quite transient in that it passes through things too quickly. And I think if we just slow and hold, and I think I probably talked about this before in the, the other interview we did, and it is something that is quite key, then we understand much more about that place. Do you think I've come to the conclusion that sometimes for photos I, I take self-portraits are the stuff you do self-portraits i think i think it's i think you find more about an individual um through their contacts and through their work than you'll ever do through you know personal images of people yeah definitely definitely self-portraits so um there's another wonderful picture in your book of um you and your brother (laughs) with jam jazz when you were aged about five six six, i was six um it's wonderful that those and this colour as well. It's colour. It's my dad working on an Ilford Sportsman. Right. Yeah, great camera. Yeah. Right. And do you have lots of photographs of we've that? We've got we've got lots of photographs. I mean, um, of that of that period in the sixties. We haven't got any before that, and I talk about that in the essay as well because we lost um, on a move. We lost all our family photographs which really hurt mum. Dad threw a box away by mistake in the skip. So in terms of my grandparents, great-grandparents, we've nothing. But it's interesting because my essay, which is uh, about memory as much as anything, and the relationship between memory and photography, is an interesting one because I'm not sure that we need those images all the time. I think they sometimes make us lazy. I've done a series of recordings with my mum, who's 90, to get her life. We did it with dad as well. And we've kind of really explored the recesses of the mind and, you know, over hours of conversation. And I've built up an amazing picture of things that we haven't got images of. So I'm not altogether sure that it is a, it is a loss. Don't get me wrong, and it still hurts mum. But what you can glean from talking, from memory, from conversation is extraordinary. And I think that photographs, and I mentioned this in the essay, sometimes photographs make us lazy. We just have the photograph. So we don't then explore beyond the superficial. I guess as well that um, if... And memory and photographs, I've come across photographs recently that have sort of uh, really had quite a dramatic um, and unexpected emotional effect on me. Mm. Um, And... um, uh, and not particularly good photographs either. Uh, so, uh, the, but again, we're living in this age where the um, where things are in, in zeros and ones. They're not actual physical things. Frightening, isn't it? Frightening, and there's more likelihood of losing stuff today mm. than actually throwing a box away. Mm. Oh, absolutely! Every time I turn on the computer, it's a leap of faith that I hope everything's still there. <laughs> you know, and one day I'm sure it won't be. Um, <laughs> And it's an interesting thing that quite a lot of photographers now are committing their digital files back to film. Yeah. For that very reason. Uh, and, you know, there's a there's a tangibility. I can go into the, the room next door. I can pick up contacts, physical contacts of negatives. It's great. I know they're there. Open that cupboard every day of the week and they're there. 
sometimes I put my computer on and think, oh God, it hasn't booted. I ask, where, where are they? Where are they? And kind of mild panic can set in until you find them again, hopefully. It would be wonderful to see your exhibition in Wales. Any likelihood of that happening, do you think? We, we, haven't, we haven't thought about it. We did, we did think that it might be um, too uh, local specific to the coast of where it was, but I'm not sure that it is. I think it, 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 is, about, it is about a place, but perhaps that isn't limiting in its own way. It's just about an experience, about what you can find from a place. Mm. We haven't explored that yet, but it's kind of all come back into various studios up in the north and back down here. So it's there. Uh, it's all kind of waiting. But, of course, we can view it on the web. You can view it on the web, yeah. And buy your book. And you could buy the book as well, which um, I think is fairly priced at twelve ninety nine. It's very reasonably priced. And it's a <laughs> lovely book. It is a beautiful book. Um, with a, a gorgeous images in it. Um, and um, I look forward to reading it mm. because um, I know um, it will excite me i think well i think the idea of it again because we've all done essays on it is that it becomes a developing narrative of what that coast means to various people in different contexts Uh, how what sort of reaction did you get to the actual exhibition very good yeah it's been very good the exhibition has gone down very well and would you show it again up there or would you well we, we we might show it around the north more i guess but i'm not sure whether like you say, it's an interesting idea whether it could come down into Wales somewhere. It would be because lots of people have associations with well, the they area. Well, they do. I mean, it's it's Liverpool, capital of North Wales, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Or was. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, that would be an interesting one to to. Yeah, to we'll have to look at it. We'll have to, as I say, it's there now. It's all the work's done, framed. Mm. Um, and, you know, in the book itself, there's... Uh, there's ex- there's pictures of the exhibition itself as well, so you know you can get an idea of what the show looked like in the gallery. Wonderful, thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs>